Hey guys, welcome to Naked and Unashamed, the podcast where we take off the mask, take off the filters, and wear our most vulnerable self, sweetie, without the guilt and shame attached to it. I'm Tega, your host, and I would love to welcome you to the space where we can rest in the realness of our stories, grow in our faith, perspective, and in the healing process. So glad you tuned in. Keep listening for today's episode. What's pop, locking, dropping, folks? That was really nasty. I'll never introduce myself like that again. But, you know, here we are. That's that's the best I came up with in this moment. (laughs) But we are currently ending the month of June, about to step into the month of July. So by the time this episode comes out, we will be in week 500-something of quarantine. It feels like it's been way too long, but we are now about to be halfway done with 2020, and it feels like it's been 10 battles in one, which is ridiculous, but, you know, God still loves us. He's still doing stuff in this year, but today we have a special episode with a special guest, and I feel like you need no introduction (laughs) because you are the, I have to add the the at the beginning, Blake Eason. (laughs) Blake, how are you? Oh, goodness. It bothers me so much because I have my Twitter account is at the Blake Eason because the at Blake Eason account is already occupied by somebody else. Got it. And I have been DMing that Blake Eason for years now, pleading and begging him to like just trade usernames with me because I think he needs the the more than I do, but he continues to read them and not respond. Oh, so he's so, still active. Oh, he's active, and oh. he and it very much has read at the bottom. Um, <laughs> so I am pleading and fighting just to get that normal one. But anyways, thank you for the introduction. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I have followed this from afar, so it is a thrill to, to be a guest on your podcast. So. I love it. I love it. Well, As those of you who are listening know, obviously the title of this is Naked and Unashamed. And so we create this space, this sort of safe space for us to have conversations about real things and real life and just bring healing through that. Mm. So again, I'm so excited that you're here. I've been super excited for this episode and I can't wait for it to come out. But I start every podcast episode the same way and asking what are you stewarding right mm. now? I think that we tend to have a focus in our like Western culture of what do you do and like who are you rather than, you know, understanding that the Lord gives us all things. Mm-hmm. And so what has he allowed you to steward in this time? Well, I think this time specifically, um, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is time because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have been given the gift of time back during this quarantine and mm-hmm. during this pandemic because uh, so many of, of, of my friends, myself, people that I know have lost gigs, have lost work, have lost opportunities due to the pandemic, um, which I think in turn has given us so much more time to ourselves. And that was yeah. one thing that I don't think I ever really processed when I was running at the pace that I was running before all of this, because it was just everything was nonstop. It was you, you go from one gig, one event, one job to the other. And it, you never really had time to really process and think and just time for really anything, if mm. we're being completely honest. And mm-hmm. so um, I think I'm definitely being way more inten- intentional with the time that I have now because I don't want to waste it. I'm yeah. like, I, I think that this moment is, is given from God. I think that he's, I know that he's in this. And so 
I think it was a learning experience at first. The first, obviously, the first couple of weeks. Let's be honest. I'm Enneagram three, so those first couple <laughs> weeks completely took me out because yeah. I thought, hey, this is gonna be a quick two week quarantine, and we'll be back to normal in about a two weeks and maybe a month if if if, if. things gets crazy. But considering we're approaching four months now in this thing, <laughs> um, you know, I don't think I could have survived this w- without the Lord. Truly, so, I say to thee, come on, come on. So I mean, I think that. Obviously, I want to be a good steward of my time right now because, I, you know, I know things are going to, we're going to reach a new normal. I don't, th- I don't think we're, gonna go, we're, we're not going to go back to the way things were, but we sure. are going to reach a new normal. And we're not going to always be socially distanced from one another. We're going to be able to gather in large crowds again. I know those things are going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the meantime, I want to make sure I'm doing all the right things. And that right. means reading more, um, watching TV, resting, having more quiet time. Um, having more moments of reflection, having more moments to express gratitude as crazy as things seem right now and how it oftentimes seems like there's nothing to be grateful for. Hmm. I'm oftentimes reminded that I have so much to be grateful for when you look around at what's happening across the country and in every asset. So um, I I definitely want to be a good steward of time. I want to be a good steward of my friends uh, and not think that this season has everything to do with me because yeah. I'm, I'm not the only one hurting right now. I'm not the only yeah. one that's going through a moment of frustration, anger, sadness, grief, mm-hmm. the loss of things that we just never really saw us losing anytime soon. Um, so just recognizing the fact that I've got my problems, but mm-hmm. my friends have theirs too. So like, let me be a good steward of them and check in on them, make sure they're good Can I pray for them? Is there anything they need from me in this moment? Um, I want to be a good steward of friends. Um, I obviously want to be a good steward of my career. I mean, obviously, is there's there's so much of it that's on hold right now. Mm. It's not, I'd love for the people to know, for the people who don't mm-hmm. know you, what is your career? What are you doing? So I just graduated from college back in December. So shout out to all the graduates who are graduating in the middle of a pandemic. I see you. I feel you. I'm with you. We are in this together. We will make great storytellers one day when all this is said and done because I don't think anybody will be able to really resonate with this moment more than people who are actively looking for a job yes (laughs) so you know no one really told us this in college that no one really taught us how to navigate a pandemic so yeah so yeah, so um, I graduated from Kennesaw State University with a degree in broadcast journalism and emerging media. So uh, I am a, my hope is to one day be a tele- television personality, radio personality, entertainment host. I think the dream for me as always, I've always said, um, it's not a specific place, it's, it's a specific moment. Hmm. And that moment is whenever Ryan Seacrest decides to retire from hosting Dick <laughs> Clark's uh, Rockin' Eve right yep. there in New York City, Times Square. And the way Dick Clark passed the baton to him, I would hope one day Ryan could pass the baton to me. But um, obviously that's a very long ways away. So and, and how we're going to get know. there is going to be quite the journey. But um, I'm, I'm inspired by all things pop culture, entertainment news. I love mm-hmm. music. I love how um, entertainment news and, and more so entertainment pop culture inspires our world. Um, and I'm fascinated by the stories that are being told in that sphere. And I believe that there's a lot more good happening over there than they get credit for. Mm. And so I think it is my hope and my goal to, uh, find a way to tell those stories and start the conversations that change the way we see the world, um, a little bit more than maybe what we see now, what's on the headlines and what's on all the gossip sites. And I think there's just a lot more, 
um, to give them credit for that they actually get credit for now. And don't get me wrong, they get a lot of credit, let's be honest. But um, I think there are some really good people over there telling great stories and, and impacting some real change. And I think entertainment news is one of the largest influencing um, sectors of the world today. And so um, I, I want to be a person that is telling the good stories that happen from that movement because um, mm. I think that that can really start to shift the dynamic and in, in the conversations that we have in our homes. So yeah. um, I love entertainment. I love journalism. I love telling stories. Uh, and I love the nonstop action-packed moments of unscripted television. So whether mm -hmm. that's hosting events, uh, whether that's hosting uh, programs online, I love all of it. It's all fascinating to me. Um, and I also love local news too. So um, I'm in this moment now where I'm trying to figure out where do I go from here? Mm. Um, and a lot of that consists of, you know, uh, cold calling, cold emailing, sending more emails than I actually receive. But all of that's good. You know, it's exercising a yeah. muscle that I've never had to exercise before. So and, and then not to mention, we are in the middle of a pandemic. So going back to my point previously made was that everyone's going through a crazy moment right now. It's yeah. not just me. And there's somebody else on the other end of that email that's probably in a very similar place that I am. So um, yeah, so that's a little bit more about, uh, what I do and, and what I'm currently doing right now. That's huge. Blake, when I first met you, I did not know or believe that you are the age that you are. Um, <laughs> Is that a good, good thing or a bad thing? No, that's, that's a great thing. You're 23 going it. on 24, right? Yes. Yeah, that's wild. And so <laughs> I'd just love to know, did you think that you would be stewarding what you're stewarding right now? when you were younger? Did you think that you'd ever even hit this point at the age that you're at right now? No, not at all. I mean, I think there's moments that it feels like I am doing, I mean, I'm obviously on my own worst critic. So I think there's moments that I feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be, or I'm not further along than I should be. But then there's moments of where I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. What a cool moment this is. Mm -hmm. um, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've been presented with, you know, thus far. I mean, I graduated, so a quick background to kind of like how I landed with this career mindset and kind of where I'm at in life. I um, graduated high school. I was applying to colleges. My academic advisor, I said, hey, I'm so excited. I'm about to submit my application to UGA. Mm -hmm. She says, hey, um, I, I think just because I love you, I want to tell you not to submit that application and save your money because there's no way with a 2.8 GPA, you're even going to get a look at UGA. And so I thought, Haters. okay, well, oh. you clearly don't know the Lord that I serve. Right. But um, anyway, so I, do I, <laughs> I took her advice and I did not apply to UGA. Mm -hmm. um, kind of went through the college process to figure out where I wanted to go to school. Um, from a small town in Warner, of Warner Robins, Georgia, which is about two hours south of here. So mm. hop on 75 South and it will get you right there. Uh, we got a we got a Wendy's. We got a Starbucks. We got a Zaxby's. A Zaxby's? Uh, we, got a we got a new wow. Chick-fil-A. So um, Toys R Us did close now. They did not make it, um, <laughs> but I'm uh, really proud of the hometown that I'm from, but I knew that I had to get out of there, and I just wanted to, I knew I wanted to, I mean, for me, it was like going to school was just the next best option, like I didn't really have anything else lined up, so um, I got accepted into Kennesaw State, I ended up going there for a couple of years, ended up graduating in this past December, but I did not determine the career path until my junior year, and that was kind of when um, I went to Catalyst Conference, which is a conference that's here in Atlanta, and that was kind of the moment that I I was working for the church, and I was working in different um, facets of, of ministry, and I um, I loved what I was getting a chance to do within ministry, but I just kind of felt like there was this um, unsettled piece within me that was just like, I think that the Lord is leading me somewhere else, but 
because of where I was working at the time and just the, the culture of, of church. Oftentimes it feels like once you're in there, like that is where the Lord has led you and mm-hmm. that, um, that's what you're supposed to be doing just because it's the, it's the right thing. It's the next best thing. And everybody right. around you is doing it. Um, yeah. and it's, e- I think for me, it was easy to mistake my call for the calls that were around me. And there were so many people that were like, I'm called to this, I'm called to this, I'm called to work in kids ministry or student ministry. And, um, I think inevitably I just was like, well, I guess I'm called too. Okay. Mm. <laughs> um, and Don't pick up the phone for somebody else's call. <laughs> it, it literally, exactly. And so, uh, once I begin to kind of run down that road of understanding that that might not be my call and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that was the beginning of when God began to kind of really start to open the doors as to, you know, where he was really leading me and where my heart really was at. And so I was at Catalyst Conference and that was kind of the moment that I began to believe that, I can still be, um, I could still be a Christian and still work in entertainment or I can still work in pop culture. And, um, I I believe the Lord uses those platforms just as much as he uses the ones right here in the local church. And so, um, went to that conference, was completely blown away by what I experienced. I'm not even exactly sure. I think that, I think it was just the conference of the fact that they just had so many moments where there was like cool moments of culture, then cool moments of, you know, I think Robert Murdu spoke that night and it was like an amazing word. Um, and then you had like Hillsong leading worship, but then you had like this magician, then you had this comedian, then you had like, you know, these moments that they were highlighting some huge moments from pop culture. And so Mm -hmm. it really was a conference that showed me like the two can coexist and they actually mutually benefit each other when they do. And so, that was when I kind of landed. Like I, I love telling stories. I love having conversations. And so this is the direction that I want to run. Uh, when I kind of had that revelation, I changed my major, uh, one year before I graduate, which I would Mm. not suggest doing to anybody unless you are very, very sure, um, that that is where the Lord is leading you. Uh, and so what were you before just out of curiosity? Oh Lord, I I think I went through everything. I think I started out as an education major because I wanted to be a principal, did not want to be a teacher, but I wanted to be a principal because I like leading people. Yeah. So they kind of told me (laughs) like, Hey, in order for you to understand what a teacher goes through, you're going to have to be a teacher before you can lead a teacher. So I did like a semester of student teaching and it was just, it was horrible. I mean, I mean, it was, and now granted the school that I was at, um, I had to have a resource officer escort me to the classes that I was in just because the school was so dangerous, apparently. Now, I never felt any threats when I was in the school, um, yeah. but that was just the word around town. And so, um, you know, I had a, had a good time there, but th- that was the moment that I was like, I just, this is not, this is not for this me. And so yep. I changed to PR and I really liked the idea of PR, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was just because I, I think I just didn't really fully understand mm. <laughs> all that PR was and what yeah. it entails. Um, and so then I changed my major to journalism. And then when I found journalism and I took my first journalism class, I thought this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm. This is everything. Why did I not find this sooner? It's Mm. stories, it's people, it's conversation, it's breaking news. It's you're being a part of history in some capacity. So, um, I, I loved everything about it. So I did that. And then I knew that I needed to have a resume to compete within this industry because journalism is all based on experience and not about where you go to school unless you end up getting into one of those very highly regarded schools of journalism mm-hmm. um, that I did not have the out-of-state tuition for. Um, so I wanted to get the experience, and um, I ended up getting an internship at a radio station in town um, called The Burt Show, which is like a morning radio show here uh, based out of Atlanta. And then I did that for a semester, and then after the end of that semester, they offered me a part-time job to come on as an assistant producer, uh, phone screener, and then also an assistant uh, contributor on-air personality. So um, I get the best of both worlds. I get to learn how to produce and then also submit content, and I'm still um, working there 
uh, today. And so um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it so much. I feel like I'm learning. To me, I, it feels like I am experiencing the um, entertainment boot camp, if you will. Hmm. Like, um, and it's, it's so great. Bird is an incredible leader. I am loving working for him. He is just an, an absolute gift. I could not speak highly of Bert and how he leads people in the belief that he's placed in me. Hmm. Um, and so that is what I'm doing now. Um, but I mean, looking back on it, I mean, you know, I went, I changed my major one year <laughs> into school. So I mean, one year before I graduated, excuse me. So there was definitely moments of like, what the heck am I actually doing? Like, yeah. I have no idea. And I'm here to tell you, I still ask myself that question to this day. Hmm. What am I doing? Does any of this matter? Does any of this make sense? Yeah. Obviously, granted, I think that's definitely heightened because of the pandemic. And I think we're all kind of questioning what it is that we're involved in now. And it's just because I think when you're given the gift of time back, you realize that uh, you can't take this life for granted and you never know when you're going to lose it. And you never know when everything that you've had been working for or chasing comes to a halt or completely goes away. Um, so when I think back to like, to get back to your original question, like, did I foresee myself having this? Oh my gosh, absolutely not. I mean, I come from a small town. I mean, people in my hometown grew up to be lawyers, doctors, dentists, and teachers. Like mm-hmm. that, that's, that's about it. And they, yeah. they go, they don't really leave the town. That's where they raise their families. And that's just how the cycle continues. So the idea of someone coming from there wanting to pursue a career in entertainment is a little bit far-fetched. And it's kind of like, hey, we don't go to that town called Hollywood because those people are crazy over there. And so I'm kind of like the one kid that's like, you know what, I, this hometown kid's going to try to make it in Hollywood and we're going to, we're going to see if it's actually possible. So, um, but I mean, my hometown has been so supportive and it's what I love so much too is, um, the bird show is syndicated. And so that means they're on multiple markets across the country. And one of the markets that they're in is my hometown. Mm -hmm. So like my, my hometown friends and like hometown teachers and people that I grew up, you know, being a part with and family and friends, uh, get a chance to listen to the radio show that I'm a part of now, which is pretty, pretty special. So, um, for that to be my first gig in radio or in entertainment, I mean, what an absolute gift. So, um, even just going back to your original question of what am I stewarding? I mean, that hello i mean so grateful like this doesn't happen and i mean um yeah so no i i I don't think i could have ever Mm. seen this coming you know but i think that is one of the thrills uh following the lord you know it's it's one of the craziest rides but it's one of the best rides and it's a ride that i'm not going to get off so amen here we go come on (laughs) i want to lean into more of you had understood that you had these gifts of storytelling Mm. and you loved excitement and the thrill of things and with the what the lord had put in you as a child all of these gifts started to grow and mature and he started to lead you towards that path so i want to learn more about blake eason Mm -hmm. the kid blake eason the kid oh man uh he was a skateboarder Mm. i I love i think the did you have like a phase or like you just um you know that's a good question was it a phase i mean i think i did it from like elementary school to like middle school so i mean it was definitely a moment i mean uh i had the long hair instead of my Mm. hair going up as it is now it went down and over so it was definitely the justin bieber the original justin bieber haircut i think it was even before justin bieber had the justin bieber haircut because it It was kind of all happening at the same time um yeah i was a skateboarder um I think I've always, I mean, when I think about growing up, did I, I've always loved talking to people. I never mm-hmm. met a stranger. So I'm like, I definitely think that definitely connects to what I do now. Like mm-hmm. I don't find myself being intimidated by meeting new people and having conversations. So I think that's something that I definitely take from my childhood. Um, I've always loved adventure. I've always loved mm-hmm. trying the crazy thing. I think I gave my mom more gray hair when I was a kid than any other kid, just because it was just 
just was I was crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, me as a kid, I, oh, oh, I must mention if we're talking about phases, uh, there was a phase that I did want to be a rapper. I wanted to be a. Yeah, Blake has <laughs> some songs out, y'all. If you go on YouTube <laughs> and type in Blake Eason, <laughs> just be careful. Just be careful because let me tell you, that was before I met the Lord. Okay. So he did a work in my heart as I hope he does in yours. Okay. When you, when you watch (laughs) it. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a moment. It was a moment in time, but I mean, I think that was just coming from a place of like, I've always loved entertainment. I've loved entertaining people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was like, I'm just going to try everything, whether that means being a skateboarder, whether that means being a gamer, whether that means being a rapper, like it doesn't Mm -hmm. even matter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that is, um, me as a kid, but I'm like, even when you, when you peel back the surface even, even more, I'm like, I am the product of my mom was an addict. My dad was an alcoholic. I do not, they divorced when I was four years old. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know a, a moment as a kid, me growing up in a household that had both parents in it. I mean, I was just always taught growing up. I'm at mom's this weekend or I'm at dad's next weekend. And it was like, that was the schedule that my childhood was built on. Like I, you know, friends knew, Hey, Blake can't come over this weekend because he's going to be at his dad's or vice versa. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hang out with my dad's neighborhood friends because I was at my mom's house. So, you know, I think that, you know, there was, um, for me growing up, I mean, that definitely impacted my childhood more. I'm realizing more now, obviously due to the great work that is counseling and that the great work that is therapy. Um, and yeah, I think like, obviously I think part of my infatuation with entertainment and entertaining people comes from the fact that, you know, there was a a part of my childhood where I felt like I wasn't seen. So my Mm -hmm. only way to be seen was to act out. And so, um, I think, you know, in my middle school years and high school years, I think that got me into some trouble, but, um, it was all as a response to what was happening at home and, Mm -hmm. and the attention that I wasn't getting there. And so, um, obviously now it's like, you know, my dad and I are rekindling our relationship. You know, I think he's, um, in a way better place now than he was. Um, obviously we're not like in a fantastic place, but Mm -hmm. I do believe the Lord is working in that. And my mom is, um, oh my gosh, she's, I think she's six years clean now from drugs. So, so proud of her. And I'm like, she's involved in like all the recovery places in my hometown. Like she's helping young women and and young moms who are going through that, helping them see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't be more proud of the work that she's doing. And she actually starts um, her first full-time job since becoming a recovering addict on Wednesday of this week. So two days from now. So um, it's been a long road for her. And it's like, I think a lot of recovering addicts don't get um, the credit that they deserve and the grace um, and the growth that they need Mm -hmm. um, just because it's such a, it's just such a monster. I mean, it is just, I watched something completely destroy her. And it's like, for her to rebuild at the age that she's at now, it's like, it's just a testament to, um, you know, the grace of Jesus and what we have when we follow him. And so, super proud of her. Uh, and, you know, obviously we're in, a, we're in a way better moment now, but, you know, all of that was what I had to endure growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and w- whatever you want to ask about that, we can definitely go down those roads, yeah. but I just, I just, I'm a blabber mouth. So if no, you no. get, if you get me You're to talking, good. it's like, I might go down 15 roads on one question. No, no, so listen, <laughs> this is good. Cause this is what this podcast is for to just create spaces for of you course. to be open and bring healing through that. But I'd love to hear more about the dynamic between your parents. How did that impact the way that you saw yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing was the fact that I, I just like when I look at 
um, friends now or even friends back then that grew up in a house that had both parents, that was just a foreign concept to me. The fact that they had one house to go to and they had their parents were both there and both parents sat at the dinner table at night. And when friends came over, both parents came down the stairs and said, hey, I'm so-and-so's dad. I'm so-and-so's mom. Nice to meet you. Welcome to our house. You know, just a simple, you know, I think growing up, it's like you, you see that and that's what, that's what's in all the movies. That's what's in all the books. That's what's in all the television shows as the perfect family. Yep. And the first question you begin to ask is, well, if that's the perfect family and my family doesn't look like that, then I'm not perfect. And I'm, I'm not being represented because my dinner table doesn't look like that. Mm -hmm. Most of the times it's just me and my mom and we get Chinese takeout. That's pretty much all we get. You know yeah. what I mean? Like <laughs> my mom loves Chinese takeout. She I got do that too, though. all Come the on. time. Yep. And so, that little um, man always hits. you know, but then on the flip side, it's like my dad, I mean, he remarried multiple times. And so mm-hmm. it was meeting different women. And then, um, you know, he remarried once and then they had, uh, my half brother and my half sister, Dallas and Taylor, who I love dearly. Um, and then, you know, my dad divorced her and then remarried another woman who already had two kids. But then they were married for like 12 years, I believe, and then they divorced. And then now my dad has since um, been divorced, moved to a different state, um, and has not remarried since. Mm. Um, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if I could meet another woman, but, mm. you know, at the end of the day, I would do it for him if, if it's the right fit, um, of course. But, you know, it was just navigating the, just the polar opposites that were happening on both sides. I mean, mm. mom is, if she's dating, I don't know about it because when I'm growing up, like she she wasn't bringing other men around. Um, I think she brought like one man around growing up that I, that was, you know, that maybe she was romantically interested in, but she wasn't doing it to the extent that what my, to which my dad was, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the woman that my dad married for 12 years, her name is Lynn. And I still call her today. Like she is still very much in my life more than ever now than when she was then, but they've divorced and she has since moved on, remarried to a great guy named Todd. And, you know, suddenly, she could make the decision to say, I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. But mm. I mean, she still very much welcomes me, my little brother and my little sister. Um, they were on the family vacation on her side of the family two weeks ago. Um, and, you know, she's offered rooms for me to stay in if I need a place to stay. Mm. I go celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas with her every single year. So, I mean, just navigating that, it's like, I mean, when you, I mean, when people ask me, tell me about your family, I'm like, okay, well, how much time do you have? Because Mm -hmm. we got to draw this thing all the way out. Like we got to, I got to give you the Venn diagram. I got to give you all the pictures to help you fully understand what you're about to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, in, in comparison to my mom and my dad, it just was the fact that, you know, you know, you're looking at one side of the fence that is just me and my mom. And then over here is my dad. Uh, I think naturally I'm a mama's boy. I love my mom. I think I just, her and I spent way more time together growing up than my dad and I did. And maybe that was because my dad was just busy going out and meeting other women and and, and doing things in that capacity. So um, yeah, I think that was, you know, just, it's, it's just also interesting. And I think um, being in counseling now, it's like, I have always, whenever I would hear the word like childhood trauma, I never really would have been one to raise my hand and say, yeah, I experienced that because Mm -hmm. in my mind, trauma is like an act of violence or an act of terror or an act of like this moment that is just so scary and unbelievable that you can't Mm -hmm. seem to forget it. But I think what my counselor is teaching me now is that, no, the fact that I grew up in a home without both parents and one was an addict and one was an alcoholic, that is indeed childhood trauma because on the flip side, it forced me to grow up way quicker than I would have probably wanted to or preferred to. But at the time, I didn't know that. I just mm-hmm. thought it was just 
this is what you do. You know what I mean? Like these are the cards that I was dealt. So let me act it, act accordingly. So I definitely think now I'm like beginning to really process and understand like that is where I get my work ethic from. That's where I get my drive from. That's where I get this belief that I have to do everything to defend for myself because if I don't, who's going to do it? You know what I mean? So obviously that can create some crazy things when you start to really process, you know, like what is the role of the Lord in my life? What Mm -hmm. is the role of my friends in my life? You know, what if I can't do everything that I set out to accomplish? Am I going to leave any room for God to do what only he does best? You know what I mean? So it's like, um, obviously that's, that's, that's a learned behavior. And it's like, those are things that I'm working towards now, but it makes perfect sense looking at where I come from Mm -hmm. because it was growing up. It was like, mom might not come home tonight. So let me go in here and make some pizza rolls or, you know, let me make sure I set my alarm clock and make sure I don't miss the bus because when I wake up in the morning, she might not be here and I'm going to have to find a way to get to school. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's like things like that, that I just naturally processed as a 14 year old, but I'm looking back on it now and it's like the other 14 year olds in my neighborhood were not having to process that. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I think that would definitely be the interesting dynamic between growing up with divorced parents hmm. and they both living polar opposite yet somewhat similar lifestyles wow. afar. Like one, thank you for sharing of that. Of course. Two, I've seen this interesting dynamic of the childhood trauma versus who you are as an adult and how that impacts the way that you move. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you as someone who is a super huge go-getter, always going towards your goals and the big things that you want to accomplish. Do you think that leaves any room for family dynamic? Of mm. What does family look like to you now as an adult? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think it's just, obviously I have, I have so many different like ideas about it. I mean, I think looking at where I come from and what I experienced growing up, I think it makes me way more intentional of the fact that I have no choice but to surround myself with good people. Um, I don't even want to allow any room for error when it comes to potentially, excuse me, going down the wrong road or, you know, doing things with the wrong crowd just because um, I've seen what that can do to people. I mean, I had a conversation with a friend the other day and this friend in particular was a great friend, childhood best friend. Um, and he was kind of talking, we were talking through like the different types of drugs that he's seen at parties or that he's tried. And there's just a part of me that's just like, I don't judge you for that, mm-hmm. but I just, for my own sake and sanity, I can't even allow myself to even be around that just because I've seen what it can do to families. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to allow myself to ever even get caught up in that even closely mm-hmm. enough to be associated with it. And then furthermore, I think it makes me way more focused on the fact of like, you know, um, family maybe I don't have the greatest family. Well, I take that back. I have a fantastic family. My mom is amazing. My grandma's amazing. I love all the Christmases that I get to go to. I'm like, I always joked when I was a kid, like when your parents are divorced, you get twice as many, everything you get twice the birthday parties, you get twice the Christmases, you get twice the Thanksgivings. I mean, it's all great. I mean, granted you will spend most of your holidays on the interstate going back and forth to people's houses. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you get Thanksgiving lunch and Thanksgiving dinner. So, I mean, I can't really complain about much. Beggars can't be choosers. Hello. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, looking on that, but I'm like, I do think there is something that's like, man, I would just love to have one place to go to mm. for Christmas or one place to go to for Thanksgiving. So I'm, I definitely think it has uh, challenged my focus in a sense of like, I want to start a family for my own and mm. not saying I want to do it the right way, because if I say that, I mean, that alleges that they did it the wrong way. But 
I think I just want to do it in a way more practical way. And maybe that just means doing it once. Hello. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's definitely something that I'm considering. Obviously, like that would be a hope and a dream, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, um, the career that I'm pursuing, you know, there's, an, there's a level of it that doesn't really requ- that doesn't really allow for that at the beginning. And so um, right now, I'm like, I, I am loving the position that God has put me in and the places that I, th- I believe that he's calling me to. Uh, and I also recognize that with that comes a sacrifice. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I look around at a lot of my friends that I graduated with and they're in these relationships and some people are starting to get married. And then this is the phase where I'm like, I'm getting wedding invitations every single week now. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to weddings all the time. And it's like, they all tell you that you, you get to a point in your life when you start to get those invitations a lot more frequently. Mm-hmm. But, you know, does it make me feel like I'm doing anything wrong because I don't have that? No, not at all. Because I'm like, I just recognize that this is where God has me. And it's yeah. like, you know, this is... um where I, I believe he's leading me. And so with that comes sacrifice and with that comes things that you're going to have to give up for the time being. But mm. um, just, because it's de- just because it's a delay does not mean it's a denial. And it's like, yeah. I know that um, while that might be in the far future, mm-hmm. it's something that I deeply care about and I deeply desire and I um, want to do it right when given the opportunity um, because I think that that's how it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but just because I look around and you could probably relate to this too, all of our friends and all of our peers. And I mean, hello, it's like we're closely involved in, at the churches that we serve. And it's yeah. like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, I love the local church, but I think oftentimes it feels like everybody here is just trying to get married. Yes. And, and I'm like, what are we, yes. what are we, I'm like, like, when are you having kids? When is it? Yeah. No, any dating. Yet? It's like, a, like and, and you're looked at as if you are the wrong one because that's not something that you are either pursuing or that's mm-hmm. not something that's happening in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like this weird competitive game of like, yeah, we're getting married. Like, are you yeah. coming to the wedding? Like, yeah. it's amazing. And it's like, um, I think God gives us all types of gifts and that is not the one gift that has to be held as it's the only thing given from God. Like, you know what I mean? I don't look at me having to sacrifice that as something that I'm losing right now. Mm -hmm. I look at that as I'm just excited that God's given me this vision and this ability to pursue a career that's fun and that can change the freaking world. Mm -hmm. Like I really do believe that. And like, I am excited to chase that. Mm -hmm. Granted, hopefully we won't be in a pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a, in a couple of months, but Hey, if that's where we are, then that's where we are and we're going to make do with what we have. But, um, there is a, there's definitely a, a huge focus on building a healthy family dynamic Mm. in the future for me because I don't really come from one, you know? So granted they're all in great places now, but that is definitely not where I come from. Right. Which is cool that you have this perspective. And of course this comes from you having time to really process this in counseling and therapy. And I'd love to hear you speak on, I know that I am also a fellow three on the Enneagram. And so there's a certain way that we work through things and walk through things. Mm. But I just want to hear on the dynamic of what you do, does Mm -hmm. what you do drive you or do you drive yourself? Mm. That's That's a great question. Does what I do drive me or do I drive myself? I definitely think, I probably would have said what I do drives me before, but I think after having several conversations with my counselor, I would say I am 100% the driver of this vehicle because I think it just becomes a very slippery slope when you let the entity that you serve begin to drive you because mm-hmm. the moment that that entity doesn't serve you anymore or you no longer serve that industry or that entity, excuse me, 
who's driving who at that yeah. point. Like, does the car just come to a complete stop or are you driving another entity? Like, I think at that point it just becomes pretty dangerous because you are at this point jumping from different entities to different entities and different industries to different industries. And, you know, it is this moment of like, okay, are, is the, is the corporation driving you or are you driving yourself mm-hmm. in to a, to the best place to serve the corporation? And so yeah. I'm like, I definitely think I'm 100% driving myself now. And I think that was a thing that I began to process. And obviously with the help of the Lord and obviously following where he's leading me, of course. Um, but even on that note, I don't think you can follow the Lord or allow the Lord to lead your life if you're serving the corporation. Mm-hmm. Cause I think at that point that becomes more regarded than what, um, the Lord is doing in your heart. And so yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I would say I am 100% fully involved in my work ethic and my drive now, but I'll tell you, I think that came from some serious process of, process of elimination and reflection during the beginning of quarantine. Cause it's mm-hmm. like when you're jumping from one job to another, there was a moment that I was working like three jobs at once. And it was like, what am I doing? Like, this is insane. Like I had no moment to fully even begin to like, what is happening in my life? This is crazy. Like I am, I began so, I became so sold out to increasing my resume. I decreased Blake along the way. And I just don't think that was necessary to do. Um, So looking back on it, like I had to have some moments of like, okay, what is it that I need to do right now to better position myself for what it is that I want to do and where I think the Lord is leading me? Because if I just sit here and let whoever drive the ship, then there's no telling where I'm going to be at. So, um, I think that's a huge thing, but I mean, that's more difficult said than done as an Enneagram three, because, you know, if we're not careful, we are our work. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, what I love so much about the Enneagram is that it gives us the ability to understand ourselves more, but it does not give us the ability to use that as an excuse moving forward. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, I'm well aware of my health and my unhealth now knowing my number. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a great thing. Because yeah. if I know what my unhealth is, then I can I can spot that when I'm leading towards that, or when right. I'm doing things that mirror unhealth. You know, obviously that does that comes with a little bit of self awareness and self reflection. And if if you're not willing to do that, then you can easily convince yourself that your unhealth is health. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Enneagram threes have the ability to do that more than any number <laughs> on the Enneagram. True. But, you know, I think that is, you know, the, the, I, I love the personality test. I mm-hmm. think they are super helpful. I mean, maybe that's because we're both Enneagram threes and we yeah. love growth. Hello. Yep. Um, and so I think they're awesome, but I mean, my, I, I lucked up with my counselor cause she is an Enneagram enthusiast. But mm-hmm. so like the moment that I mentioned it to her, she was like, I mean, if you want me to go down those roads, we can, but I mm-hmm. never want people to just assume that that's all we can talk about. Cause yeah. obviously life is way more larger than the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the biggest key things that I am still learning from her is that she's like, Blake, you realize everything can be okay because everything is okay. Mm-hmm. And like the moment she said that there was something so therapeutic about that statement of just understanding everything's fine. Why? Because everything is fine. Because I think for me, I definitely can get in my head. I, I mean, me being a great storyteller on the forefront, you can't even imagine the stories that I can tell in my mind and tell mm. my brain and tell myself. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, I am the mega storyteller. I could take any moment and turn that thing against me, for me, with me. Like, it's insane. Mm. So just knowing, like, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm doing the right thing. I, I have been doing the right thing. 
I have good intentions. I don't mean any harm and everything's fine because, well, everything is fine. And like, so I think that is something that I am really learning a lot in therapy right now um, of just understanding that I am a high power, high power, high performance, self-driven person. Um, But at the end of the day, everything's fine because everything is fine. Mm -hmm. Whenever I want to take a break, I can. If I want to spend the day, spend the day watching Netflix and just chilling. I can do that too yeah. because I'm not my work. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, that's been super healthy for, for me to realize just because if we're not careful, we can spend more days working break than down. we do resting and yeah. break down. Okay, I had one of those back at the top of this year, and it was mm-hmm. a full moment of like, all right, am I, am I going to press the brakes or yep. are we going to keep trying to run this thing full throttle, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, but like I said, that's what I love most about the Enneagram is because it just gives you a moment to really process your self-reflection and give it something to compare and look to, to better understand yourself. Hmm. Okay. I think you know where it is about to go. It's the commercial break. Hey guys, I am so glad that you stopped by to listen to this episode. Per usual, feel free to follow the naked and unashamed Instagram at NKB and unashamed. But if you like this episode or this podcast, it means the mostest, like the mostest, mostest. If you share this with friends, family, or on your social media, and feel free to rate this too. Okay, loves, keep listening for the rest of this episode. So Blake, this has been so good so far and so therapeutic for me because as a fellow three, I feel like these are things that I've had to to push through and sit with and Mm. question and understand. And the title of this episode is called um, set back, set up, set apart. Mm. And you've told us already about these setbacks that you've experienced in life and Mm -hmm. how usually whatever setbacks God allows in our lives are usually setups for us to be set apart in whatever he's called us to do, whatever our purpose is on the side of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to hear how has your story been a setup for you mm. and for what you do now? Ooh. Well, I think one of the more so recent things that I can talk about was, I mean, when I interned, when I began to intern at the Bird Show, mm. I did the internship mm. and I did it for a semester. Mm. And then um, I had some great success interning there, but I was fully prepared to move on. And uh, I was applying for a local, uh, an internship at a local news station here in Atlanta. And it, I mean, it's WSB TV. It's like, hello, number yeah. one. Channel we love two Action News. Channel Two Action News. I mean, we love Fred Blankenship, Javita Moore. I'm like, come on, they're just the best of the best. And so, uh, I interviewed for that internship. I was offered that internship, and then a week later, as I was driving home to go celebrate Thanksgiving with my family, I got a call saying that they had suspended their internship program indefinitely. Hmm. And so it was like that was the next thing that was lined up, you know, internship, you know, obviously you got to have that on your resume mm-hmm. if you're going to even compete in the world of journalism. And so, uh, you know, then you and like, let's think about the perfect timing. You go home for, for Thanksgiving and all your friends and family are like, so what's next? Yeah. What do you have coming up? What are you excited about? And like, Six hours before Thanksgiving, I would have been like, I have this great internship at this awesome news station. Um, but that wasn't the case. And so I was like, you know, I, I really don't know. And then literally a week later, I get back home and go back to school. And then uh, I'm finishing up my internship at the Burt Show. And then that was when Bert asked me to stay back one day. And him and I ended up getting the chance to meet. And he offered me a part-time job. And so I think that was a moment, too, of like seeing how, like, um, the Lord doesn't miss anything. Let's At be all. honest. Like, 
in it, like when I got the call about the internship being ended, did my brain immediately go there and think, oh, I know the Lord's going to do something awesome with this? No, of course I was sad. I was like frustrated. I was angry because I worked so hard to get that internship and that was what I wanted to do. And it didn't happen, you know, mm -hmm. but then looking back on it, it was like, dang, like the Lord was so faithful in that moment of just like saying, I'm going to take this thing away because what I have over here is way better. And yeah. I think that is just, that's just a moment I have to think back to often, especially during these times. Mm -hmm. Hello, because it seems like every single week in quarantine, we are in moments of just like, it's like you're, you're looking at an apple tree yep. and there's apples on it and you have like 10 apples mm -hmm. and then like quarantine weeks go by apples fall. But the, the trick is this, you can't eat the apples when they fall. Yep. They're like, they're not good. Mm -hmm. So you're just like waiting. Hopefully one will be good. Hopefully one will be tasty. Hope, hopefully one will be mm. awesome. Yeah. Um, and every single week more apples drop and they are rotten and they don't work and they go away. That is what my life looks like right mm. now because like every single job that could potentially happen or every single opportunity that could potentially go forward, it's like you're looking at it from afar and you're like, maybe, just maybe, mm. maybe things will shake up. Cause it's like, mm. nobody's really explicitly saying no to anything right now, yeah. but they're just saying, I can't say yes. Mm. So, you know, the opportunities are there, you know, there's jobs there, you know, there's potential yeah. there, but there isn't, you can't do anything about it because no one's saying yes or no. And so like, I think for me in this season, it is very much a season of like every single week, there's at least one no that comes across. And mm. it's like, but what I, what I think I'm beginning to appreciate Tega is the fact that the more no's you get and the more setbacks you get, we begin to process them better. Yes. Like even Absolutely. I was telling you before I came in here today, like I, I just got an email, like one of the only things that I was holding on to for the rest of this year mm -hmm. just came back as a no. And it was, it was like the closest thing that I think I've had to a yes hmm. so far during the season. And like the no is like, it's just such a, just a, are you serious right now? Yeah. Like, dang it. Like, what in the world is going on right yeah. now? You and know it's what I valid mean? to feel those things. Yes. Yeah. But on the flip side, I'm processing that one way better than I did the first couple of no's that I got at the beginning sure. of quarantine. Because I think we are building up now. We're building a resistance to adversity. Mm -hmm. And we're just becoming people that deal with adverse adversity way better than mm -hmm. we did before. At least I know I am. Yep. I'm like, I think when, when you're running 90 miles per hour, it's like you are so caught up in what's next even when things are being like saying no it's like that's fine because everybody's running 90 miles per hour and i'll just mm -hmm. go get the next best thing but in a moment where there isn't anything happening it's like yep. you you're you're able to see those no's more clearly which makes them hurt a little bit more mm -hmm. but i think also gives us a moment to ask ourselves why does it hurt so much more like yeah. why do why do we place so much faith in those things and like the superficial answer is like financial security like mm -hmm. hello like i <laughs> hello, I'm kind of broke right now. Yeah. Like this is a crazy season. Um, but even furthermore, it's like, I think I'm just, you know, it was what we talked about before we even started recording. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I think that I am believing that something good is going to come out of this. Like yeah. despite all the no's and obviously that is easier said than done. Mm -hmm. There are moments of reflection and moments of quiet time where I do not believe that. And there are, and it's just frustrating because you're like, did we work this hard for everything that we've been working towards to get shut down by a dang pandemic? Mm. Like no one saw this coming. Yeah. But um, like, like I said at the very beginning of this, I'm like, I think the biggest gift that a lot of us have gotten in this is the gift of time just mm. because we just didn't realize how crucial it was. At least I know I did it at the beginning of this um, 
And so even, even as things begin to open back up and as we begin to reach a new normal one day, this is something that I hope to take with me mm-hmm. moving into the next season of just remembering, like, I don't ever want to take things for granted ever again, mm-hmm. you know, just because you don't know um, when they're going to stop, when they're going to end, or when they are going to be completely frozen because we're in a global pandemic. Like, yeah craziness so um I'm, I'm hoping and i'm believing that god's going to use these um setbacks for a setup for for what's happening but that's the, that's that's the roller coaster of the ride when you decide to follow jesus like yeah. I, you don't know where this thing is going mm-hmm. and you know but i will tell you i do think there is a peace that sits within that mm-hmm. just knowing that i'm not alone in this mm-hmm. and i am fully i fully understand that I'm not even in control of this ride. Yep. So wherever we go is where we go, and I'm excited to go. Yeah. So I'll put my hands up, and we ride this thing out. Come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I know, I know I'm going to get there safely. I know I'm going to get there um, when I'm supposed to get there and where I'm supposed to be. But, um, you know, obviously it's challenging because you're like, where are we going? But at the same time, it's like I know I'm going somewhere good, so mm-hmm. I'm along for the ride. Yeah. I think what's interesting, what I've learned when it comes to setbacks is that when we receive these no's, usually pain comes because our grip was too tight on Mm -hmm. the thing in itself. And so our gaze is more so on the object of the weight rather than what should we be learning about the Lord through this Mm -hmm. weight. Ooh, that's good. And so it's usually focused on where our gaze is. And even in understanding that the no that was released was actually the setup for a better yes. Mm -hmm. And understanding that. And I think that's so hard to see in the moment of, okay, I thought that my best mm-hmm. or this best opportunity that was going to come from this was going to be the ultimate thing because mm-hmm. we see it so highly and not understanding that God's sovereignty is so big and mm-hmm. so large that there's more to come and there's better to come. And there's bigger to come. And so just resting with that and mm-hmm. understanding, like you were saying, that peace is so huge. Right. But we've now hit the the end of this podcast, which I hate when we get to this part. We'll, we'll talk after this. Like the conversations don't end here. But of course. For, I have two final questions for you. One, I know that there are people who are listening who are in a place and space of being lost, mm-hmm. kind of in this forest space of understanding that there's a lot of setbacks that mm-hmm. are happening right now. What would you say to those who are in that space of, of the beauty of a setback mm-hmm. and also just understanding how God is calling all of us to be set apart and right. there's purpose in it? What totally. would you say to those people? Well, I think the most beautiful thing about a setback, as we just discussed, was the set up for something better and something more fruitful and something more exciting. And so I would say if you're in a season of feeling lost or feeling discouraged because you've lost something, like maybe begin to ask the question, why do I feel that, of course, about the loss? Because obviously that it means something to you and your those feelings are totally valid. Um, but maybe begin to ask a deeper question of like, you know, do, am I sad that I lost that because it's it's upsetting my comfort zone or... Am I sad because I lost that now because I don't know what to do? Um, Or furthermore, like maybe this is a moment for you to begin to really start talking about your dreams out loud. I think the moment that I begin to like, I think there's like this weird thing about when, at least for me, I experienced this was like when I was beginning to kind of unpack what it was that I wanted to do. I was scared to talk about it within the church because I knew that what I was pursuing was not in the church. And Mm. so I just didn't know how people in the church were going to perceive Mm. what it was that I was pursuing outside of the church. And um, I couldn't have been more wrong in that. Like I've Mm. I've found some of my closest friends and people that work in the local church have Mm. been so supportive of what I'm, what I'm doing. Obviously there's a few people that along the way that are like, you know, obviously like they weren't super excited about it, but like that pales in comparison to the people that were. And so I would say like really begin to like, 
process this time as like, maybe this is the moment that God is giving me to launch my dream or mm. launch that secret hobby that I've been doing on the side that nobody knows about, but yep. it's something that brings me so much joy and that I believe one day could change the world. Mm. And like, what does it begin to like, I'm such a huge person on like big dreams. And like, I don't think there's ever a wrong time to start pursuing a dream of yours. And I think yep. we all have a dream that's placed on our heart. Like if I was to give you a piece of paper right now and say, take a, what's your dream or what's your hope for the world? Or what's the one thing that you love doing? Mm. And you answer all three of those questions and you begin to kind of connect the dots. I believe that there's a way for you to answer those questions and see a career or see a way um, to to pave a road for yourself mm. within that and it's like I think like I think that's kind of what we're supposed to do like I think that there's yeah. like a desire that God's placed on each of our hearts and it's different from one another mm. but oftentimes we just get sucked into the vacuum of just doing the next best thing and it's not even really the best thing it just happens to be the next thing mm -hmm. and we don't even begin to ask ourselves is this the best thing for me but it's just what's right in front of us and so here's yeah. a moment there's nothing in front of any of us. So what if we just traded the next thing and chose the best thing? And that best thing happens to be the one thing that God has always wanted us to do all along. Mm -hmm. So the gift of time that I've received during this quarantine has been literally the best thing that I could have ever asked for. I have hung out with two of my best friends more than I've ever hung out with them. I think we go get, I have ate more ice cream in quarantine <laughs> than I think I've ate in my entire life. Yep. And I'm lactose intolerant. Mood, so mood. note that um, I've on. given up on lactate because I'm just like, it don't work. It, it doesn't worked. work. Okay. Yeah. Period. And like, you know, it's in my car and it's like, I can't even find the thing half yep. the time. So, you know, it's like, I just, I have so many memories from this time mm -hmm. and it's like, I would love for things to open back up tomorrow and have all the opportunities and all the jobs come back and everything just go back to some level of normalcy. But I think we'd be missing the moment if we, if we wished for that, because mm -hmm. let's be honest, things will go back to some level of normal one day. But when they do, I want to say that I use this time well. Hmm. And that means I got to know my friends better. I got to hang out with my family more. I got to go and do random things that I would have never had the opportunity to do hmm. in a moment like this. I'm like, I kid with my friends all the time. I'm like, look, I think God gave us our last best summer ever. Hmm. Like, cause just think about it. Like whenever you get into your career and you start working, hello, we get like one summer vacation. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about these 40 hour work weeks or whatever that the, that the old people talk about, hmm. but them things are crazy. They sure are. Like Come you on. don't, like you don't get the summers off like we used to have in school. Yeah. So and you got to ask like 15 months ahead. It's 15, and it's like, I don't even know what I'm doing in July. So no. how can I ask? I don't even know what I'm wearing tomorrow. So how yeah. can I ask you to have off in July? Like, I don't understand yeah. what you're talking about here. So <laughs> like I, I do, like, I, I want to treat this as like the best summer ever. Mm. I'm eating all the ice cream. I'm going going skateboarding whenever I want to. I'm watching as much Netflix as I want because why? This is the summer that the Lord has gave us. Yeah. <laughs> and I, here we are. Like I'm yeah. going to do my best with it. And for once in my life, I'm not measuring what I do every single day by what I accomplish it. Hmm. I'm, I'm, That's I'm, a word. You know what I mean? I'm not. Yeah. I'm measuring it by how well I spend my time and where I, I choose to invest that. And I think that is what this season has given me. And I hope that maybe if you're in a space of feeling lost or confused or frustrated by the losses that you've experienced, first, I'll admit, you, all those feelings are valid. I have experienced them. I experience them still now. Like, it's not like a one and done type thing. Mm -hmm. But I do think when you shift your attention to what really matters most, you'll begin to realize that this is one of the best seasons that I think God could have ever given us as we begin to launch into our next season and where we go from here. Yeah. Like, that is so good. And speaking of these measurements, my last question for you is, how do you see yourself? How do you see Blake Eason now with all that you've walked through, with all that you have come from? Mm -hmm. How do you now see Blake Eason? Mm. 
You know, that's such a good question. I think that obviously that's a question that probably changes like, you know, every, every different season that Mm -hmm. you go through. But I would say now I'm like, I am, I'm proud of the work that I've done. Um, I am proud of the reflection that I have allowed myself to experience, Mm -hmm. obviously in quarantine. Um, I am proud of, you know, how I've chosen to invest my time. But I also realize that I'm a work in progress Hmm. and I don't have it all figured out. And I think like you go through seasons where you're like, man, I I do have it all figured out or I know exactly what I'm doing and I know exactly where I'm going and I'm going to play this play. And if that play doesn't work, I'm going to run this play. Mm -hmm. And obviously as an Enneagram 3, we strategize every single move that we could possibly make so Mm -hmm. there is no room for error. Like we don't look at a setback as a setback. We just look at at it as a different route or an alternative. So it's like. I think now, like, I definitely look at myself as like, no, I don't have it all figured out. And uh, I'm a work in progress. And But just because I'm a work in progress um, doesn't mean that I can't be proud of the work in progress that I am. Because I know that I'm better today than I was yesterday. And yep. my goal is to be better tomorrow than I am today. Mm-hmm. And I think if, um, if that's kind of how, for me personally, that's just kind of how I've I'm chosen to live my life. And... Um, understanding that, and, and also to understanding, like, look, I'm a work in progress. I don't have it all figured out, but I have fully surrendered to the fact that God can still use me and he is still using me. And I would argue he wants to use me more being in this position of just recognizing I don't have it all figured out. Hmm. And so that is how I see myself. And it is, it is so peaceful. It is so freeing yeah. because when you don't have it all figured out, Nobody can tell you that you do or judge you for don't having it all figured out. That is a word. <laughs> okay. So that's a word. Uh, like, thank so you. So that's what it is. Goodness. Thank you for everything, for sharing your story, for being here with me today and just this conversation in itself. And for those of you listening, I hope that this is an encouragement to you that we will never have it perfectly figured out mm-hmm. and we will never have things perfectly executed because we aren't Jesus. There nope. is no no thing of perfection in us, but we are progressing humans and every day we're taking steps towards what we're called to. And even if you don't know what you're called to, even if that's something that you're still trying to figure it out, it is better that you either stay where you are or walk forward than to take steps back. Mm -hmm. And so every day is a new day for you to just keep trying and keep progressing. But with that, we have reached the end of this episode and I will see you guys. Well, hear you guys (laughs) in the next few weeks. All right. Toodles. Tega, you're the best. Thank you for having me on the podcast. This was awesome. You have the gift of conversation, and I truly enjoyed our conversation today. So thank you for having me on. Thank you, Blake.